AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Right tackle in the biggest moment of the day for Houston. First and 10 as they work from their 42. Straight ball is loose. Who's got it? Ravens football. And when you get outside the core of the alignment, you can't go down below the knee. Quick snap. Dobbins. Airborne. Touchdown. It's been nearly a quarter of a century since we announced a new head coach. And today I'm happy to welcome you all here as we introduce the 15th head coach of the New England Patriots, Gerard Mayo. This has definitely been a dream of mine. I would say I'm a huge believer in just developing people, whether it's on the football field, whether it's off the football field, in the media world, in business. My calling is to be a teacher and to develop people and help them see what they don't want to see, but they need to see. So my job has always uh, been that. That is my calling. And a technical's been handed out. And I believe Tony Padilla pointed at Sean Phillips Jr. of ASU. And Sean Phillips Jr.'s been thrown out of the game. Wow. That's two technicals. Fibley gets it in. That'll do it. And UCLA from 15 down has come on the road to Tempe, and they still won in the desert. 68-66, the Bruins stun Arizona State. SC's been in this zone. So far, Arizona's just been throwing around the perimeter. That might be the dagger. The three by Love, that pushes the lead to 16. Fifth triple for Caleb Love. Well, I'll tell you what. No stopping him. They're actually putting on some full-court pressure. Don't get anywhere near him. Siakam hits it to make it a one-point final. That's why I say you don't know what NBA players can do. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome to the Thursday, January 18th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Texans and Ravens, who you got Saturday, ATS at Baltimore. The Patriots, should Robert Kraft at least interviewed Mike Vrabel? ASU, should Bobby Hurley get the blame for last night's second-half meltdown? The U of A, is it among the nation's elite teams? The Indiana Pacers, are they Eastern Conference contenders? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday and moments about the introduction of today's pipeline. 10.15 or so of a Texans and Ravens preview. Matt Musil will join us from KHOU in Houston. 10.30, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also some bottom line and also a little local roundup. Uh, depending on full call volume, we'll get to uh, some from the ASU and U of A games from last night. 
final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That's topped by Rip from the Headlines and from The Wire. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, which will include more phone call time. Right now, onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is who you got Saturday at Baltimore ATS? The Texans plus nine and a half for the Ravens minus nine and a half. And Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now, Texans plus nine and a half, 67% of the vote there. Ravens minus nine and a half at 33%. KDUS1060.com. These teams played in week one all the way back to September the 10th at Baltimore. The Ravens won that game 25-9. That was the rookie debut for the Texans quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who was sacked five times and lost a fumble in that game. Today's Twitter poll question, should the Patriots have at least interviewed Mike Vrabel before promoting Gerard Mayo? And once again, Corey has the early returns. We are split right down the middle. 50-50, KDUS AM 1060 on X. Patriots owner Robert Kraft, as you heard there at the top, he officially introduced Mayo on Wednesday. Meanwhile, on the local front, ASU inexplicably lost last night. ASU was dominating a really bad UCLA team until Bobby Hurley's team showed close to zero discipline. And I would even say, let's eliminate the word close. They showed zero discipline and what became the Sun Devils' first home court loss of the season. Should Bobby Hurley get the most blame for last night's meltdown loss against UCLA? Meanwhile, uh, the U of A played with, uh, you know, they, 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 had, they displayed aggression last night. We don't see that a whole lot from the U of A. Uh, Tommy Lloyd's team responded from last Saturday's uh, listless loss at Washington State. Last night with a wire-to-wire win over the shorthanded USC team. Are you convinced that, a, that, uh, excuse me, convinced that the U of A is one of the best teams or an elite team in college basketball? They're ranked as such. Jay Billis sure likes them as he stated last night during the broadcast multiple times. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Pacers made a big move yesterday acquiring Pascal Siakam from the Raptors for really a kind of a collection of draft picks and, uh, and you know, basic bench players uh, from the a combination from the Pacers and the Pelicans. Are the Pacers now a legitimate Eastern Conference contender after acquiring Pascal Siakam? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. Whoops, at x.com slash KDUSAM1060. I'll get this figured out, I promise. I say this every day, I'm going to figure it out, and I don't. But I, I will someday. By the end of 2024, I'll have this figured out. But anyway, uh, basically the only rules are accuracy, unless you break the rules like I just did. The only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this.
right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Texans-Ravens preview with the latest on the Texans for Matt Musil from KHOQ in Houston. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Once again, 602-260-1060. Also at the bottom of the hour, we'll have a little bottom line analysis and some answers from some of the pipeline questions you just heard. And time pending, we'll get to uh, some local roundup, including some more on ASU, UCLA, and U of A, USC from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. The Texans from three wins in 2022 to the divisional playoff round in the 2023 season. How did that happen? Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Matt Musil of uh, KHOU in Houston. And, uh, Matt, good to have you on the show. And let me answer my you own bet. question. D'Amico Ryans, Bobby Slowick, and C.J. Stroud are three reasons the Texans have uh, turned things around. Let's start with D'Amico Ryans. What, uh, what has he most brought to the table for the Texans? He just brought his energy, his attitude, his positive vibe. That's how he was when he was drafted by the Texans out of Alabama uh, so many years ago. Actually, it wasn't that many years ago. Uh, that's D'Amico Ryans. He's just Mr. Positivity. Uh, when he came here from Alabama as a rookie, he, just, he, was, he was the man. They were calling him Cap. I heard J.J. Watt the other day talk about him, and he calls him Cap. They called him Cap from day one. It's just when he shows up, <clears throat> of course, D'Amico was there before J.J. came, but he was Cap, and he just commanded the defensive huddle from day one. Uh, head coach Gary Kubiak wanted this type of player, uh, and they got him, and uh, Rick Smith was a general manager back then. Fast forward now to D'Amico being a head coach. He brings that exact same energy. He relates so well to the players, too, because he's still a young guy. He's not that far uh, removed. I was looking back. The last time Houston played at Baltimore in a playoff game, Joe Flacco was the quarterback for the Ravens, and D'Amico Ryans was a – was a linebacker for the Texans. <laughs> uh, that was 2011. Uh, 2011 season, it was actually in January of 2012. D'Amico brings that energy. Um, he's the driving force. Nick Casario is the general manager, and he deserves credit for bringing certain uh, players into this um into this organization, but D'Amico Ryans is the driving force. Make no mistake about that. 
Okay, so C.J. Stroud, you mentioned cap with Ryan's. Uh, if I'm mistaken, Stroud is a rookie, is a team captain here. So what's most <laughs> impressive, his leadership skills or his accuracy, uncanny passing accuracy, actually? Well, from day one, his leadership skills, we could see it uh, when he shows up here in training camp. Everybody is paying attention to what C.J. is doing. You know, they – they had a so-called quarterback competition with Davis Mills, who'd been here a couple of years and was starting quarterback last year. Uh, good guy. Um, uh, West Coast guy. Um, strong arm. Has capabilities of playing in the league. But from early on, in training camp, CJ, it was CJ's team. Everybody just gravitated to this guy. And it's his demeanor. It's his transparency. Uh, what that kid's been through in his life. And he still stands strong. And he's, a, he's deep in his faith and doesn't back away from it. That's, those are the things that he and his head coach, D'Amico Ryans, and uh, his fellow first-round draft pick, Will Anderson Jr., they will not mm-hmm. back down from. They're they're very strong in their faith as Christians, and um, they don't shy away from that. And just the thing that D'Amico asked those guys when he drafted them and brought them to the team, he said, look, here's the deal. I have a number of veterans on this squad, and I've got some guys returning from last year. We've had a big roster turnover. But here's the thing. You guys are the ones who will lead us. You guys, you young guys, you're winners. You come from winning college programs. It's your job to come in here and lead this team. However good we're going to be or bad we're going to be is depending on what you do, your mental attitude, your energy. I want that on this team and let's roll. And, man, it's worked out great because the veterans on this team – See, they would see it, and they're like, "Whoa, we better hitch our wagon to this." And it's just been a great, a great thing. The chemistry in that locker room, you know it. You see it in the Diamondbacks clubhouse. Great chemistry. You see it yep. on football teams, college and pros. If there's chemistry, I mean that that's such a key. And then you, and then oh, by the way. Good chemistry leads to winning, and uh, that's what's happened here with the Texans. Bobby Slowick, the first-year offensive coordinator, what has he done specifically to get the most out of Stroud and the other offensive personnel? Well, it's interesting. His game planning is uh, great. He's from that Shanahan-Kubiak system. And, oh, by the way, it works. (laughs) You know, there are all kinds of different – all kinds of different facets that have come out of that system. And Bobby has his own take on the way he runs plays out of that. But it was interesting early on, like the first time they played Baltimore uh, early in the season, he pretty much had the handcuffs on CJ. One of the reasons they drafted CJ is because he's careful with football. He loves to push the football downfield, but he's careful with his throws. Well, they pretty much had him handcuffed. And at one point, it wasn't after the Baltimore game, but it was not too long after that. I 
forget exactly, but it was early in the season, and it was a loss. And CJ said in uh, at the podium after the game, he said, you know, we got to do things different. We need to push a few. We need to push the ball downfield and go for it. We need to go for it. We have the talent on this team. We need to go. And I mean, I'm like, whoa! He just said that. He's like second guessing the head coach and the offensive coordinator. And so I asked him specifically um, the next week. You know, how did Bobby Slowick? And D'Amico Ryan's react to you saying that. He goes, well, yeah, they, they agree with me. We need to do more of that. Now, I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but since that time, they changed. And they allowed him to go downfield. He loves to throw the deep ball. He loves to go downfield. Well, he no longer has Tank Dell. He's like uh, the Texans' Tyree Kill. Tank Dell was phenomenal at University of Houston. And he was the same way his first several weeks in the NFL before he was injured. This guy is unbelievable, the way he gets open. Well, all of a sudden, that threat was gone. So other guys had to step up, and they have. But after 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 CJ comes out post-game and says, we, we need to do things differently. We need to push the ball downfield. It changed. And Bobby Slowick changed with his top player, and he was smart to do that. And as a result, now Bobby Slowick's being mentioned for all these head coaching jobs around the NFL. I don't know if he's ready for that. He's a really good coach. I think he should do one more year at least as an OC. Um, Bobby's really smart, but he's getting all kinds of offers. He said yesterday, he said, I couldn't even tell you what's going on because I'm focused on the Ravens. But I guarantee you his agent is working it. <laughs> He's working it behind yeah. the scenes. Slow, I can admit it. That time will come. That time will come when I deal with that. But this is not the time. I'm totally focused on Baltimore. You know, one thing about Stroud that might be reason for concern is that, you know, as is really the case with most rookies, his home and road splits, he's been much better at home compared on the road. Is is that reason for concern or no big deal? I don't think it is. The Jets game he got hurt in, and people are going to point to that. Um, and this will be a cold-weather, windy game in Baltimore, but, I mean, C.J., He's a SoCal guy. It's uh, where he uh, grew up, went to Rancho, uh, Rancho Cucamonga High School. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. he played at Ohio State and won a lot of football games with the Buckeyes. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, – I'm not concerned about that. I'm more concerned about if the offensive line can protect him. The offensive line has been a patchwork deal all season long. And it's amazing when that O line was so bad and inconsistent, CJ was finding a way to win football games. And we kept saying, as observers, we would sit there in the press box and like, man, he can't keep it up. He keeps getting drilled back there. Now, he did get a concussion in that Jets game and missed two games. Otherwise, he'd probably, in the, he'd be, he'd legitimately be in the MVP conversation for sure, because he was before mm -hmm. he, before he got hurt. But it, I, uh, home or away, I don't think that's a big factor for C.J. He's calm in the pocket. Um, he's not like a lot of uh, quarterbacks. If they if they make a mistake, oh, man, 
now I'm going to be afraid to pull the trigger on the next pass. That's not CJ. And um, he's, you know, he's <laughs> he's got his teammates believing in him, his coach believes in him, and he has totally got this city of Houston excited about football for the first time in several years. This is this has turned into a baseball city, as you know. But uh, mm-hmm. football is, has been king in Texas for many, many years. And uh, football is once again uh, a topic of conversation here around Houston. For example, here the last several years, uh, the Houston Astros caravan, you know, I'm sure Diamondbacks do the exact same thing. They go out in the community and around the state. And they shake hands and sign autographs and stuff, and it's a big deal. It, it, it could be our lead story on our newscast. But the Texans have stolen the spotlight away. The caravan started last night for the Astros, and that was my last story in my sportscast, not my first story. Things do change a little bit there for sure. You mentioned <laughs> actually, I think uh, you mentioned what I think might be the key to the game on Sunday. Is the current – they've had lots of injuries, obviously, in the offensive line. Is the current offensive line pass blocking good enough to allow Stroud to get the ball down the field against the Ravens on Saturday? <coughs> Excuse me. I think it is, but uh, the proof's in the pudding. Baltimore is one of the best defenses in the league, no doubt about that. But Cleveland had the top-rated defense in the league. And look what the Texans did to them last week. I think part of that was the Browns took them – a little lightly after pounding the Texans like three weeks prior. The Ravens, under John Harbaugh, and we can talk about the Harbaugh coaching tree or whatever, but I, I just I love the way John Harbaugh handles his football team. They are up in your grill <laughs> all the time, and it doesn't matter if it's offense or defense. They play football the way football should be played. It's a gritty game. They're coming at you, and they've got talent, too. It's interesting guy I'm going to watch is Jadevian Clowney. J.D. was drafted in the first round by the Texans a number of years ago. He left the Texans, got traded away, bounced around, and he's with Baltimore now. And I guarantee I saw on the injury list, he was out for illness yesterday, mispractice. But I guarantee you he'll be in the lineup, ready to take it out on the Texans. <laughs> he, I think because J.D. can still make plays. And he's yeah, one of the guys a lot this year. Yeah, uh, like nine and a half sacks, um, which got him a $750,000 bonus or something. <laughs> Okay. JD's a different guy. He's a fun guy, but he always bets on himself on these uh, one-year contracts and uh, seems to be paying off. But I think defensively, Baltimore is so strong. Um, that'll be the challenge. You know, can the, can the Texans get some running game going to help offset the passing? They have to do something to slow down that rush. And, um, you know, Nico Collins is, has become the go-to guy Ever, ever since Tank Dell was injured. Nico's a big, athletic, wide receiver, and he's got help. John Mechie, a second-round draft pick out of Alabama, who was out last year due to leukemia. He beat leukemia. He's back now. He had three big catches last week. He's got to go to the tight ends. Dalton Schultz, who's a Cowboys cast-off, 
Um, he has some weapons. He has some weapons, and they're going to have to utilize all of them in order to beat Baltimore. It's going to be tough. The Ravens are tough on the road or at home, but especially at home. And um, longtime Texans fans will not forget that loss um, after the 2011 season. That's the last time they played in the playoffs. It was The Texans kind of bobbled that one away and uh, had a chance. And, and I, I'm telling you, local NFL fans are so pumped because if, if by chance uh, – I picked this team to win four or five games. I got to be honest with you, because I, I just couldn't see them coming together that quickly. It's just been amazing to watch and fun to watch. But local NFL fans know that the last time a Texans, a Texas NFL team, or a, a, a NFL team from Houston specifically, was in the AFC Championship game was 1979. Bum Phillips, mm-hmm. Houston Oilers, love you blue. That was the last time a uh, Houston NFL team was in the AFC championship game. Could they pull this off Saturday? Oh, my gosh, this city would go crazy. So much for the Astros at that point. Okay, let me, well, let me flip this. Everybody still <laughs> loves the Astros, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm trying. Okay, well, let's flip this real fast to the defense. You mentioned Will Anderson. How does Anderson and the rest of that defense try to contain Lamar Jackson? Yeah, well, they need to, you know, keep the uh, keep the rush lanes. Uh, the good thing about Will Anderson Jr., a lot of people – we're saying, well, he's not the top defensive player. Yes, he's good fundamentally, but there's these other guys that show more explosion, blah, blah, blah. And D'Amico Ryans wasn't here, wasn't hearing that. He wanted Will Anderson because he not only uh, is good about pressuring the quarterback, but he has he's aware of the rush. He's good against the rush. That's how their defensive front Plays. They have a number of talented players up front. Jonathan Grenard is a perfect example. This guy leads a team in sacks. Under the previous couple of head coaches, he could barely get on field. I just didn't know what to do with him. It, it was strange. But he, uh, in a contract year, um, he has exploded. And he's been hurt some the last couple of weeks. He came and played part-time last week it'll be it helps a lot to have him in the lineup and they have others who can um, who can rush and they have good interior linemen and they have good um, linebackers Christian Harris another Alabama guy he got a pick six last week um, you know they had two pick sixes last week against Flacco now Joe kinda, Joe will throw it around the yard but he'll also throw it to his team a lot he'll throw it to your team sometimes Um Lamar's is, um, you know, he Lamar Jackson's so tough because what did he run for? 800 yards, I think, this year. 800 yards and a half a dozen touchdowns. He's so he's so tough. Like I said, John, John Harbaugh team. He's so tough-minded. Lamar will run it on you. He's not that accurate of a passer, and that's what they need to do, get pressure on him, you know, contain him. Don't allow him to get free for those big chunk plays with his legs. If they, then make him throw the ball. I don't know if it, if he can beat them throwing the football. I don't know if he can do that. 
Uh, he's just not as accurate. He's he's better than he once was, but his sixth year in the league, I remember um, early in his career, he was so inaccurate, and his throwing motion was a little off and that type of thing. But man, he's a big, strong guy. Doesn't matter how it gets out of his hands. If it gets to the right place, doesn't matter what it looks like. And uh, Lamar, of course, is um, developed into such a weapon. And they rally around him. It's like uh, CJ has everybody rally around him. D'Amico Ryan said there's no no getting around it. He said this after last week's game. C.J. Stroud is the reason we're as good as we are because everyone believes in him. I mean, I, I, you know how it is. If Kyler Murray's on a roll, hey, let's go, let's roll. Uh, the quarterback is so important, and everybody has to believe in him. When everybody is believing in the quarterback, all kinds of great things can happen. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate the time this morning. You bet. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see Lamar – Jackson and uh, his Ravens favored by nine points. Yeah. Well, that's a big point spread. You know, I think the Texans can win this thing. And, uh, boy, that would be – it'd be wild in the city if that happened. Matt Musil of uh, KHOU in Houston. Thanks for his time. Tomorrow in this segment, by the way, our annual discussion with the Hall of Famer Bob Glauber. Uh, from uh, New York Newsday and now retirement and now author. And we'll get into a lot of that with Bob tomorrow. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. Make a note. Uh, that is tomorrow. Next segment today, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. We'll also get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline, including a little bit from ASU's epic second-half meltdown last night against UCLA. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle X HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle X HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you'd like to get into the KDUS hotline, 602-260-1060. First up, uh, some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. Feel free to answer these questions if you like, 602-260-1060. We start on the local front. Bobby Hurley, should he get the most blame for last night's loss versus UCLA? The bottom line is that Hurley deserves definitely most of the blame. The team lost mental control in the second half last night, three technical fouls. They had one point during that second half meltdown. Hurley even himself had a verbal confrontation with UCLA coach Mick Cronin. Uh, so those things can't happen. And that was a big game for ASU last night. You can't be losing a game to UCLA if you fancy yourself as an NCAA tournament uh, bubble team, which is the best that ASU is at this point. Uh, and uh, they were that, that's the best they worried me for last night's loss. Meanwhile, are you convinced the U of A is one of the best teams in college basketball? Bottom line here is I'm far from convinced that the U of A is elite. And until they play much better on the road, then the bad news for them is I'm not sure any Pac-12 road victory that they might actually accomplish this year is going to impress me that much. Juve certainly looked good, uh, looked good last night. That game was in McHale against a very shorthanded opponent in USC. 
Meanwhile, on the college, from the uh, excuse me, from the uh, local front to the NBA, the Pacers are they a legitimate Eastern Conference contender after adding Pascal Siakam? Heard some of the uh, network television people suggest this last night. The bottom line for me is the pa- the Pacers are certainly better. <clears throat> excuse me, with Siakam, uh, but they're not close to the Celtics, who are the top team in the East. I don't even think it's close. However. I would put the Heat ahead of the Pacers in the postseason because of Eric Spolstra, who is the best coach in the NBA. All right, also from today's pipeline, our poll questions today, if you're just tuning in, the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com is who you got Saturday in Baltimore, the Texans plus 9.5 or the Ravens minus 9.5. And the X poll question today, should the Patriots have at least interviewed Mike Vrabel before they – uh, promoted Gerard Mayo as the head coach, and we'll answer those poll questions during the 12:30 segment of the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. So stay tuned for that. Once again, if you want to jump aboard, last call for phone calls in this segment: 602-260-1060. All right, on to a little more bottom line, uh, more uh, some bottom line, a little more bottom line stuff, a little expanded bottom line here. Uh, and, uh, a couple things from last night, obviously in the local roundup. ASU suffered an awful loss last night. They were playing very well. They were in complete control. They actually led UCLA by 15 points in the second half of that game last night. And then they completely, uh, ASU lost its uh, collective mind, basically. It really started with Sean Phillips, uh, who accurately was whistled for consecutive technical fouls. ASU at that time was still leading 49-43. That sequence actually resulted in UCLA scoring seven points and uh, to move ahead 50-49, to 49. and that's a lead that, uh, that UCLA never relinquished. It was the start of a 14-0 a, uh, UCLA run in that game. As I mentioned, uh, soon after that, Cronin and uh, Hurley uh, had their verbal confrontation, and then even after that, another ASU player, Jemiah Neal, was whistled for another technical foul. It was a complete lack of mental discipline from Hurley and his players, which resulted in the inexcusable 68-66 loss, as it turned out. Up next, ASU hosts USC on Saturday at noon. Meanwhile, the U of A was not challenged last night. The U of A, the Wildcats, led 7-0 and 14-4, and uh, never really serious challenge, uh, ch- seriously challenged, as I mentioned, in the, the uh, turned out to be an 82-67 victory over shorthanded USC. Uh, the U of A really, remember Saturday, they were out-hustled from start to finish in that loss at Washington State. But last night, the U of A, the aggressor from the start, uh, including they got nearly every 50-50 ball last night. A large percentage of those went to the U of A. That has rarely occurred really the last couple of seasons uh, with the U of A. Uh, but last night they got all the loose balls, it seemed, and that was a big difference in the game. And, you know, they were they're, they're usually more skilled than the opponent, but they're also usually not doing particularly well in the 50-50 balls. But last night it was more like 80-20 to 20 as far as the 50-50 ball thing. Uh, statistically speaking, Caleb Love, uh, once again the leading scorer for the U of A, 20 points, he had five assists in addition to that. Personnel news from USC, 
it has to be pointed out that USC was without its, uh, without its top two players because of injury. Projected high first-round draft pick Isaiah Collins, who some uh, draft people believe might be the first pick of the draft uh, this year in uh, 2024. He was out. He's He might be out for the rest of the season, actually, with an arm injury. And leading scorer Boogie Ellis was also out and unavailable last night for USC. Meanwhile, the bottom line in this game, uh, the U of A now 15-0, following a loss in the three years since Tommy Lloyd became the head coach. Up next, uh, UCLA and uh, the U of A, legendary rivals for years, uh, play Saturday at 2 o'clock in the final meeting in Tucson as Pac-12 conference rivals. So that's going to be, uh, you know, they've had some epic games there in the past, including uh, UCLA in the early 90s snapped the U of A's you know, long winning streak at home. It was the longest winning streak in college basketball in the country at that time. I want to say it was like 90 games or something like that. I could be wrong about that. That that seems high. But it was a, the longest winning streak in home in college basketball at that point. And UCLA, led by Don McClain, uh, went in there and won that game in Tucson. All right, so as far as the Pac-12 standings go, Oregon sitting at 5-0 and zero right now. ASU and the U of A tied along with Stanford at 4-2. and two. A couple other quick things here. The Cardinals uh, may be playing abroad next year uh, in 2020, this season, 2024 season. They've been mentioned, they were mentioned yesterday in the NFL.com story as a possibility to be one of the teams playing next year in the Germany game. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks made some uh, spring training announcements. The first workout for pitchers and catchers is February the 14th. The first full workout uh, for everybody is February 19th. And the first Cactus League is uh, first Cactus League game is February 23rd against the Rockies. And to conclude, the U of A football program is losing at least one key player, Jonah Coleman, who is the leading rusher in 2023, has entered the transfer portal. Coleman rushed for uh, yeah, 1,254 yards and one touchdown. Uh, he had more than one touchdown. I have one touchdown down here for some reason. It's more than that. Uh, several touchdowns uh, during the 10-3 uh, and 3 U of A season of 2023. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That will be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup, including ripped, uh, ripped from the headlines, from the wire, and uh, we'll get to some from the scoreboard things from basketball from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. And uh, let's start with a couple things from the scoreboard. I don't do much uh, NBA in the month of uh, January or really until we get to probably March or even obviously the playoffs. But last night, uh, the Lakers, they don't play that many good games, especially against good teams. Uh, They did last night. They destroyed the Mavericks, 127-110. to And Anthony Davis turned into like Magic Johnson. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But Anthony Davis had nine assists, one shy of his uh, second triple-double in three games. 
as the uh, Lakers uh, won that game and they uh, overcame Luka Doncic's triple-double last night. Davis also had 28 points on 12 out of 17 shooting and 12 rebounds to go along with the 9 assists in 33 minutes. He's actually averaged uh, not very many assists in his career, 2.4, which is actually a lot for a big guy. That's not bad. Uh, But he's had five or more assists in four of his last five games, and he had a career-high 11 in the victory over the Utah Jazz, which was on Saturday. And uh, so uh, maybe he's turning into a passing machine here. Uh, So there we go. Uh, His nine assists uh, led to the uh, Lakers scoring 28 points off those assists. Meanwhile, UConn and college basketball looked like the nation's best team. Of course, they're the defending national champions, and they have most of their players back from last year. And they had another guy back last night. More on that in a minute. UConn wasn't about to lose, though, its first game. That's the first time that UConn's been ranked number one in the regular season in 15 years, in the regular season. And it was Tristan Newton last night who scored 16 points to lead the way. UConn now 16-2 and overall, 6-1 and in Big East Conference play. And uh, they played tremendous defense and shut down Creighton, which is a decent offensive team. Uh, they beat Creighton last night 62-48. to uh, Cam, Cam Spencer and also Alex Caraban had 13 points each for UConn. Caraban scored all his 13 points in the second quarter, second half, excuse me. Uh, the big thing last night for UConn is that Donovan Klingon, uh, their big man, one of their big men, came back, uh, returned after he missed five games with a tendon injury in his right foot. 7-2 uh, sophomore, he had six points and five rebounds and played 16 minutes last night. We, uh, UConn's now won six in a row. They just dominated the game out uh, down low in the post. They outscored Creighton 36-20 to in the paint. They've out-re- they out-rebounded the Blue Jays 48-32. to all right, on to some uh, you know, couple of combination of rip from the headlines and from the wire. Uh, from the NFL, the Cowboys sticking with uh, Mike McCarthy, bringing him back for the 2024 season, something that we forecast during our Tuesday show and suggested would be the right thing to do in the th- on that Tuesday show. Also, McCarthy had his press conference, had a press conference with the Dallas media at 9 o'clock our time this morning. I watched that and... Uh, not as contentious as I thought it might be. It was pretty you know, tame questions from the uh, Dallas media to Mr. McCarthy. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts um, is uh, not you know, endorsing Nick, Sir- Nick Sirianni to remain as the Eagles head coach. That's a hot topic in Philadelphia. Uh, Hurts not endorsing Sirianni, at least at this point. However, Jason uh, Kelsey and Fletcher Cox, both of uh who might opt for retirement, they certainly have come out in the last 24 hours and uh, you know, endorsed uh, the uh, Sirianni to remain as the Eagles head coach. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel said he's willing to give up his play calling. Uh, he said that during his exit press conference with the media earlier this week. Um, that would be interesting. That seems to be the one thing he excels at. Meanwhile, Lions offensive coordinator, maybe more than one thing. That's the one, th- the biggest thing that he excels at. I think most people would think that. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson reportedly seeking at least eleven million, uh, excuse me, fifteen million dollars. Wants at least fifteen million dollars to become a head coach somewhere. He's got a, obviously, uh, he's obviously getting a lot of coaching interviews. So we'll see what ends up, how that ends up. Speaking of assistant coaches and former head coaches, John Gruden 
has been rumored to be a candidate for the Saints offensive coordinator position, which became open this week when they let go of Pete Carmichael, who had been in the organization in New Orleans for 15 years. And also, uh, there's been lots of uh, increased speculation that Saquon Barkley will not return to the Giants next season. Obviously, return as the franchise player this past year in the franchise tag, which uh, I don't think it got really publicly ugly, but uh, both sides were not thrilled about that situation and how it all worked out. Meanwhile, from the NBA, the Heat are not expected to be one of the apparent teams to enter the uh, DeJounte Murray uh, sweepstakes in the trade deadline. The NBA trade deadline is February the 9th. The Lakers uh, reportedly are not interested in acquiring Zach Levine from the Bulls, which has been, which been pretty much reported else, elsewhere in every shape or form for the most part. And one other final note, the, the uh, Cubs turning to baseball. Uh, they're going to have to pay up for Cody Bellinger. This is not exactly breaking news because Scott Boris is his agent, but uh, it was a big topic of discussion in the last 24 hours in Chicago is Bellinger Still remains unsigned. Spring training opens in roughly one month. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Cap. Stay tuned. The next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including more phone call time, 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060. Once again, this has been the Sports Zone with Bob Cap. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day, everybody. And as I mentioned, stay tuned. Kayla hosting the Sports Zone. Excuse me, hosting the – she doesn't want to do more than the, the Extra Point – hosting the extra points up next and I'll hang around and see if I can contribute. AM 1060 K